Watching motorsport go around and it still hasn't cooled down yet. Nope, which still I'm very hot. Very disappointed about because I'm slightly glad that we weren't there this weekend because the lack of shade at Brands would have been yeah. an issue. And a place like Seston, you have this Seston wind which oh. can keep you cool. It, uh, a, the flags are moving on the pit lane, but it didn't look particularly cool at all at Brands this weekend. So I'm with you. I'm kind of a little bit glad we weren't there yeah you saw it when drivers got out of their cars they were absolutely dripping weren't they i can't yeah. imagine the cockpit temperatures that they must have reached this weekend no normally it must have been a, a hellishly hot interior for them all yeah it was um and it was even hotter on saturday for qualifying um track temperature of about 42 degrees which is probably close to a record in British Touring Cars in recent times. Yeah, it must be up there. Um, the only place that I could think would be as hot is probably Snetterton. I was going to say that is sort of end of July normally, Snetterton, isn't yeah. it? Or start of August where the heat is there. But Yeah, start of the second half of the season where, where we get most of the heat. Um, but yeah, I think we should get straight into qualifying um, and see how drivers dealt with the heat. Qualifying report. Moving into the first qualifying session of the year that contained ballast, um, it was extremely hot, as we all know, and times were difficult to come by for most drivers, I think it's fair to say, and tyres were under excruciating circumstances on track. Well, to some drivers, the track was hard to come by. Uh, yes. Quite a few deleted times, not least for Ash Sutton. Uh, <laughs> again. Again. I, all weekend it was the same yeah, he just he was keeps on, on the, pushing yeah on the, gr on the green stuff all weekend yeah keeps on pushing uh, as you said he had a uh, track limit penalty should we say mm -hmm. um, but early on drivers building up their pace Kamish was the first one to have a little off yes. um, coming through Sheen Curve on his first flying lap um, which was a hairy moment for him and uh, could have put his session over in, in one foul swoop um, but he he managed to get back on it and did rather well in the end Bordley um, also had a moment late on. Sutton at the same corner lost a couple of track times, and just he's pushes too hard for me. Is he pushing too hard? Does he still find the absolute limit of the car? Because to me, there's only one driver on the grid who's fully got the car where he knows it, it he wants it, and understands the bits and pieces of the car. Well, perhaps possibly two actually. Who are they? Turkington. Yeah. And Oliver, uh, Ingram. Yeah, yeah. They, they, those to me are the only two that seem to have their car fully hooked up, fully know the, where the car can push or it can't push. Yep. Um, I think with Ash, he's still a he pushes to the maximum anyway. I think mm. he's still he just finding that limit of the car. Um, Morgan was the person to have the biggest moment at Sheen Curve. Um, I, I quite frankly don't know how he managed to save that. The the amount of sideways he was. Um, he came into the next corner, turning right when it was a left hander. Uh, but once they got on top of that, uh, drivers set good early times and it seemed that when the cars were at their coolest was when the better times came in. And in fact on Rory Butcher's fourth lap 
he managed to set the eventual pole time, um, which a stunning lap from him. It was interesting because he'd go on to do another what ten or eleven laps after that, and couldn't yeah. be better. So that is interesting. It was set fairly early on. Yeah, it seems that the cars liked the cooler conditions rather than running for that whole half an hour session. Um, Oliphant fell foul of track times being deleted as well and he was um, struggling down in 25th until he managed to get a better time in later in the session. Uh, Sam Osborne as well, same same situation for him. I think he struggled at Donington until he finally got a good time in. Yeah, I mean, part of that would be A, you're still owning the car and B, it must be the back of your mind, is the engine going to go? Uh, it, yeah. it must be because it, you, you look at they've now had, what, six will come into for six races and what half of those have been plagued by ridiculous yeah. engine trouble that must be in the back of your mind as you push hard on the corner you must be going is it going to carry on is it going to let go are we going to be alright yeah well coming into the session Hill in the other car was setting the pace in free yeah, practice he was, yeah, he was. Um, and he'd, he'd built up some sort of confidence in the car by then to know what it could do and consequently he was one of those in the top four that was only split by 0.055 of a second which is incredibly close in, even in touring car standards yeah. um, to then have the two BMWs almost what three tenths off of that in fifth and sixth certain identical times identical times yeah um, Ingram and Camish were the other ones up there uh, in that tight gap in at the top um, most notably Ollie Jackson fantastic um, to put the car third on the grid we can see how much pace is now in that focus and also we're getting a look into how good a driver Ollie Jackson is yeah. we said it towards the end of the second half of last season that he yeah. was you know, improving and, and getting better and he really does seem to have made that next step up this year. Yes, he did. Um, and as I said, Osborne got a lap together at the end of the, se- end of the session to jump up to 16th, although he was some way off of Hill. Um, he, he needs to improve on his qualifying for me, um, and then that will produce a better race day for him. Yeah, that will come. You've got to remember, he's used to running the MGs in the past, you know, so he, yeah, he's now gone from effectively driving a smart car to driving <laughs> a, <laughs> a BMW M1. Or, you know, so he's... He's, he's always improving. His race pace is good as well. So I think, you know, he deserves at least half the season to get used to that car, I think. There's, yeah. there's good signs there. Yeah. The final top 10 grid uh, was as follows. Butcher got it on pole, followed very closely by Camish, Jackson and Hill. As we said, the BMWs followed in 5th and 6th. Another good qualifying from Hyundai with Proctor up in 7th. Yeah. Um, seems like it's a decent car over one lap, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ingram in 8th with weight on board and then to round out the top 10 two BTC drivers of Cook and Chilton yeah so obviously the notable absentees in this list you might have thought would be there would be Matt Neal in the other Civic and Ash Sutton who we know had times deleted they're the sort of two big casualties from the top 10 yeah I think Kreese would have been very much on the verge of top 10 if he hadn't had his fastest time deleted as well yeah absolutely race 1 on to race one then, and we're all very interested to see how uh, Butcher would get away from pole. And he got away pretty well, to be fair, yeah. unlike Camish behind. But this allowed Ollie Jackson to try and get past Camish. A little bit elbows out. Squeeze. 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 Squeeze near the wall, but not into the wall, thankfully. No. Ollie, that... Ollie Jackson backed out just in time, otherwise I do think he would have been into that wall at the end of the pit lane. He'd probably say Camish with him though. Yeah, so, true. You know. uh, Turkerton of course got away well with rear-wheel drivers you'd expect and he powered up into uh, third place. 
Yep. Um, the first opening lap at the British Touring Cars, well, you, you expect action, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's certainly what we got. Um, Cook and Oliphant had a little coming together, which you've watched over again, haven't you? Yeah, I think Oliphant's in the wrong on this one. I, I watched it again earlier. I think he moves across Cook in the braking zone. I mean, Cook's already positioned the car, not necessarily for an overtake, but he's positioned the car for that corner. And then Oliphant comes across under braking. And there's nothing Cook can do at that point. It comes across quite late as well, so I think that's an Oliphant thing. I don't know how Oliphant didn't hit anyone. I was about to say, it's a miracle when he slingshotted back through the track. Yeah. We'll see later on that that wouldn't stick forever. Uh, but yeah, managed to sling his way through the through the track and not take anybody out, which was a minor miracle that early on. Yeah, and on the back of that, Cook needed to put pit because I, I assume damage. Um, but yeah. that really put pay to his first race, um, finishing down in 21st. Yeah, back up the front, a little bit disappointed in the start by Jake Hill. Uh, a lot of thought was put into whether he'd be a race contender in a fast car with no weight on board, but he didn't go with the front three at all from the off. And it wasn't long before Tom Ingram, who also made a very good start actually, was on his bumper uh, looking to get past. Although to Hill's credit, he did defend Ingram very, very well. Yes, he did. Ingram had already got past Oliphant at that point before the Oliphant uh, incident with Cook, which led me to pose a question if, to you if I may. Is Oliphant too easy to pass? I know that last week I said Tom Ingram's the best overtake on the grid, <laughs> and I stand by that. But the door seems to be not just propped open, but held open illegally as a fire. <laughs> I, I think he's a little inexperienced at running that far up the grid um, and having such quick drivers around him. I think he's going to need to learn to get his elbows out a bit more and be a bit more bolshy. Mm. Um, when it comes to people trying to get past him and him trying to get past others because um, he's a bit tentative when it comes to that as Yeah, well. I absolutely agree. I mean, look, we don't want to see cars get punted off because people no. are going to, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, unnecessarily. But I do think with Oliphant and Ingram on this occasion, similar to that Donington, there was something special for the move from Ingram. We saw a fantastic move by him later on to try and dummy Hill. This wasn't a move of epic proportion. It was a Oh, the door's wide, wide open. I'm going to slip down your inside now. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's something that he's got to improve on. Possibly have a word with Colin. Yeah, I maybe mean, so. Get some tips and tricks off of him. Four-time British champion for nothing. You might as well use his experience and develop your own skills. And in turn, that helps the team out. Yeah, I was impressed with Ingram up front, moving on slightly, um, with the weight on board. He was very, very racy, albeit he couldn't quite get past Hill. An audacious dummy sold to try and get past him, but Hill ended up uh, fighting him well side by side. They went uh, two abreast through some of the fastest parts of the Grand Prix circuit, which had our hearts and our mouths to them both. Hmm. But actually, it was, a, it was pretty good battling between the pair. Yeah, it was really good racing. Um, meanwhile... The top three were starting to gap the rest of the field. Jackson in a bit of no man's land um, between the the lead pack and then Hill and Ingram and seemed to be everyone else backing up behind you. had Chilton in there, you had um, plenty of other drivers. Well, you had Cook in there for a while who was recovering yeah. until he tried to go side by side with uh, Ingram round an incredibly fast corner, uh, which put him wide, put him into the grass. He held the slide very well, in held fairness. Held slide, yeah. But... It was a move that was, shall we say, foolish. Yeah, it was. Um, and one that put pay to his race. Back further down the field, there's a little bit of uh, contact. So we saw Crease <laughs> and Osborne come together, which uh, put Osborne through the gravel trap and sort of put pay to his first race on the hole, swept him back down the pack. Yeah. 
think he had to pit after that as well, didn't he? Did he did indeed, yep. And then we had Matt Neal, where things weren't going very well. He was already falling down the order. He was looking sluggish, wasn't he? Very slow. Uh, I don't quite understand why. He didn't have too much weight on board the car. Um, and, yeah, he just seemed to struggle this weekend. Very much so. And it was sort of epitomising the first race with a... Uh, race ending incident. I mean, before we go into it, you are team Matt on this one, aren't you? Yeah, I think he's gone for an optimistic gap, fair enough, but I think the gap is there, and I don't think Moffitt knows he's coming as well. Yeah, so to talk us through it then, so uh, Smiley has already gone down the inside of Moffitt. Yeah, going into Hawthorns. And the move is pretty much done, yep. and he's through. Matt has seen a car go down the inside of someone and has thought, oh, I'll follow you through <laughs> there, thank you very much. Uh, and does try to follow through there. For me, he's too far back. The corner's already halfway done. Yeah. Uh, and it's, in my opinion, it's smacked of a sort of desperate move more than anything else. Um, I accept that the gap was, quote, there. But <laughs> I don't believe that there was a... Put, put it this way, Matt Neal has made smaller gaps there. Yeah, but I don't think there was enough of a chance to actually get the overtake done through there. It, uh, it would have been... A quite aud- well, it was a quite audacious move and I, I don't think there's real hope of it actually coming off I think the the thing that put pay to it was that it was done on a rear wheel drive car so the reason that it has ended up so badly for him is because he's tapped the back of Moffitt's car and Moffitt can't nail the throttle like you would in a front wheel drive car you have to completely get out of it and then you also have to rely on the driver that's touched you to get out of it as well to be able for you to be able to pull it back round he pulls, he, it back, well, he pulls it back around fantastically just into the rear of Matt's car which sends yeah. Matt off I mean how how uh, Moffat gets away with that uh, damage wise his car yeah. I'm astounded by because I thought he'd have broken his front suspension yeah. but as he's snapped back round he's clipped the rear of Matt's car Matt's gone spinning into a barrier yes he did uh, which brought out the safety car first one of race one I still before we go into the safety car I still think it's Matt's fault because I think that how bad a season you having where that is the only only possibility you think you're going to have to get past Moffat if you're that much quicker than him you'll do an X corner it just seems I mean, it's not like it's for the, if it's for the race win or something like that I completely understand why you, why you give it the go but it wasn't it was you know midfield mediocrity Yeah. and to me it just smelled of a desperate move and I'm not sure why he felt he had to make that move no I they, they always say if you don't go for a gap you're not a racer anymore and he saw a gap that's the only thing that I can think would have gone through his mind and he's like oh yeah there's a chance here I've got to take it if he's going for gaps that small he should work in the army breaching bases and stuff um, but as you say this did bring out the safety car which surprised two people Osborne wasn't quite sure if he was allowed to overtake the safety car or not and had to be weighed through a little bit of an embarrassing moment that for yeah. a professional race driver albeit only in his second season but yeah. you should perhaps know the rules and Butcher was also quite surprised to see it then had to almost an emergency stop yeah he um, pulled up rather sharply behind it and um, had a little lock up at one stage which if you're a conspiracy theorist may yeah. have led to the events which happened later on so safety yeah. car period boring we'll, we'll go through that um, and then on restart really yeah three lap shoot out to the end of the race yeah um, and you're thinking oh wonderful closed up the top 10 could be a real fight on here for the win between Camish Turkington uh, Butcher well at this point I haven't ruled out Sutton either he'd no, his way no. up to you know, sixth uh, around this point and yeah going through Paddock Hill Butcher turns in and sort of like 
slowly drifts wide and we think oh god he's made a little mistake cold tyres could be anything yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then comes out of the corner and he's really slow and then we're seeing people file past him and thinking oh no what's happened he locks up going into droids yeah and we realise he's he's got a front left puncher it was a great move by Camichal nonetheless <laughs> I mean, it was yes. a very nice inside move but yeah uh, a puncher for Rory Butcher um which is a shame because I think he probably had that race wrapped up actually I don't think Cambridge would have passed him I think Cambridge would have perhaps had one chance and maybe do it for him to back out to keep the car cool um, given how hot it was Yeah. but yeah cruel just a fate for Rory Butcher however that did promote his teammate up onto the podium it did and then after that really nothing much else happened apart from Hill tumbled down the order following the safety yeah. car. Um, Ingram got through, Sutton got through, Chilton got through. Hill would go on to finish tenth, back in tenth. Yep, exactly. Which for a car that was topping FP one and FP two with no ballast on board is fairly disappointing. It was, but if we're going to have a positive to finish off this race, on, it's got points. <laughs> well, I was going to say Jackson's drive to keep Ingram behind in the last few yeah. laps was excellent, superbly defensive. Yep. Uh, completely fair Ingram tried every trick in the book yeah. uh, including liberal use of the lights um, <laughs> but Jackson drove just absolutely superbly to keep Ingram at bay uh, which got him his podium yeah as you mentioned Sutton was coming through the field you still thought he could possibly win it at the end uh, eventually finishing sixth and Jelly was Mr Consistent again 12th to 9th 9th yeah it's his favourite position this season yeah uh, also, Gornell and Crease got uh, good top 15 finishes. Gornell looked very good all weekend, actually. We'll get on to that yeah, later on, but he was very good all weekend. And Chilton did pretty well, actually, from a, a sort of nothing qualifying. Okay, top 10, but fifth overall. Fifth that's, overall. that's a good race. Yeah. That's a good race. Uh, to run through the top 15, then, uh, it was Camish from Turkey from Jackson made it up the podium. They made Ingram, Chilton, Sutton, Proctor, Oliphant, Jelly, and Hill rounding out the top 10. Final five points bases went to Morgan who had a quietly good race actually yeah. did pretty well went under the radar Crease, good result for him up in 12 Gornall who did well to be his teammate uh, Bobby who Thompson qualified behind yep. more importantly yep and he seems to be getting a lot out of that Audi uh, Thompson 14 as I mentioned and Chris Smiley rounded up the top 15 yeah pushing pushing that hind by through with weight on board for the first time race 2 Going into race two now, uh, with ballast amended and a rear-wheel drive uh, BMW on pole, Kamish knew that he had to try and get the best start possible, and he he had it even worse than race one, didn't he? Yeah, so he kind of bogged down in this race. He said afterwards he was trying to keep the revs high and go for a, a launch. In the end, the revs were low, and he almost stalled it, uh, and this allowed the rear-wheel drive uh, powered BMW to get past by the first corner yeah he he was well in the lead by the first corner and this was one that Turkington uh, made look quite easy yeah the BMW uh, well until safety car and then still made it look quite easy yeah the BMW doesn't half hold its weight well does yeah, it? it does it really does manage it very very well indeed um, this race is a bit duller than race one I think on the whole yeah there are a few incidents on the first lap uh, gone out edging out Smiley at Sheen Curve where there was plenty of action this weekend for yep. some reason um, Thompson and Crees were probably the most notable incident on race one two. Uh, race two sorry on lap one um, where they came together at the back of the circuit now whose fault is this for me it's Crees 
Yeah, I, I think so. you're right. Uh, Bobby had already got a 10 second time penalty at this point for being out of his box at the start, which is a cardinal sin for any race driver. Be in your box, don't jump the start. Those are the two. I, I had noticed that both uh, race one and race two, Ollie Jackson was giving away about three feet on his grid box as to not get a penalty. But that's sensible, isn't it? Yeah. Nick Hamilton did something similar in race two as well, I believe, and they yeah. showed him lining up towards the rear of the grid that, you know, if, if in doubt, leave yourself space. Don't be outside your grid spot. I mean, it's not as bad as Kimi Ryken the other week being last in the grid and still getting <laughs> it wrong. But, you know, you, you've got to be you've got to be better on that. But, yeah, come, coming at, through Hawthorns, uh, yeah, Thompson had been pushed wide by Crease. That, I think, was fine. I think yeah. that was a little bit aggressive, but that was fine. Crease had the inside line and yes bit bit wh- elbows out whether Thompson has come back onto the track unsafely or a little firmly he's gone back into the side of Crease who has taken a big dislike into that and basically just run into the back corner of him and yeah. broke both suspensions as you say so as Bobby comes back onto the track he kind of bangs doors back with Crease yeah. again that I didn't think was too bad that was that was very much Sutton against uh, Camish back at Donington. Yeah, but except this was done by League One players rather than Champions League players in that yeah. in that way. You know, this was not as refined as that no. door banging. Um, I think Crease is in the wrong for the next bit uh, in the sense that yeah, um, Thompson is pretty much round the corner. Yeah, you, you've got to deal with it. He is ahead because of how the drivers then go into each other he's well ahead you let him have the corner if you're quicker than him go past him at another point on the track and show him that way rather than getting all uppity about it and show, getting your anger out on track in that way yeah the word I'd use would be petulant you know yes. I think that you know the banging door handles fine that's all a bit handbags at dawn that's yeah that's absolutely that's all part of the BTCC that's no problem at all but I think you then got to know when to to leave it to be to be that friend who shouts leave it it's not worth it and mm. you know I just thought the next thing from Chris was a bit if it's an attempted move it, it makes Niels look concerted and conservative <laughs> um, I just think it was just all a bit all a bit silly and this brought out the safety car yeah and then they had it out on the gravel trap walking back to the barriers some flamboyant door slams yes they were weren't they I, th- I think Bobby's was slightly better than Cree's well it's more angrier yeah it was <laughs> some new hinges we needed on that Audi afterwards I'm surprised it didn't shatter the window <laughs> after the safety car had um, uh, come out and gone back in Butcher and Cook were the drivers fighting back through the field yeah, well, Butcher was making ridiculous progress already. Even even by the time the safety car came out, he'd already you know, carved a few places. I was going to say eight, eight places on that one. Cook made up seven, um, but after the restart, the top four gradually got away from Ollie Jackson, uh, as he held up near enough every other driver on the grid wanted to get past him. Yeah, Jackson. I mean, he won't be used to running the weight. No. Or that amount of weight in race conditions. I think it's fair to say he struggled a little bit with the weight compared to the cars that were in front of him. Um, but at least he wasn't running a Honda in race two. No, this is true. Um, Where should we start? <laughs> we'll start with the first one. Uh, Matt Neal dramatically dropped back for some issue, which we later went on to find out was power steering issue, um, and had to come in the pit. Chilton managed to get past Jackson in the end. Uh, however, that... that didn't go without incident <laughs> and went wide at Hawthorns and then had come into the pit uh, followed by Hill lap 11 
uh, spits of flames coming out the side of his, just going onto the Grand Prix loop. Yeah, I'm not sure if the spits of flames you can read too much into. I mean, that happens. We see that yes. a lot. Yeah. But given the engine problems they've had, it's yeah. also a possibility that it was engine related or exhaust related. I say the flames themselves. We you see that at a race event. You don't see it so well on the telly, but at yeah. a race event, that's commonplace. Yeah. The spitting of as the oil catches, they change gear. Yeah. But given that they have had more engine change than either <laughs> hot meals this year uh, or hot dinners, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, he had to pull off um, and extinguishers were used, I believe, just to cool that those exhaust pipes down. Um, and then Josh Cook decided that he was missing out on the action that all the rest of the Hondas were having, and he lost a bunch of places, and consequently had to come into the pits because of that, and yeah. that turned out to be a full engine change after that race. Yeah, it was an overheating problem in the race, which resulted in needing an engine change, That's which wasn't ridiculous. great for them, but it wasn't the last Honda to have issue. It wasn't. Uh, in between times, Sutton had managed to get past Jackson in the end, and was gradually pulling him his way up to the top three or four that had just disappeared off into the distance. He does need to learn the length of the car though. Oh. Because he hit the same move for what, three races in a row now? Yeah. Um, where he's got past someone on the inside, gone to go back to more of a racing line to shallow out the corner, and he's clipped his rear end on the front of the car he's passed. Yeah. Now coming from a Subaru Lavorg, which is probably one of the longest cars we've had in the British Touring Cars in recent times, you should probably find the Infinity tiny. Yeah, in comparison, and yet, as you say, he seems to constantly clip, and if he's yeah. not careful, he's going to get turned round, and there won't be yeah. any fault of the drivers behind, they'll be turning in and completing the corner, yeah. and Ash is going to find himself spun around Moffat style. Um, <laughs> while all this action was going on, Butcher was still making his way through the field, cutting past every single driver, it felt like. Every corner, he seemed to be trying to make a move on someone. And that car about waiting is terrifyingly quick isn't it that is and it's so well planted as well it's, yeah. uh, well I say that on the onboard from his qualifying lap it did look very twitchy the car but I don't know if that's just Rory's driving style and his wheel seemed quite small whether that was the camera angle I don't know but the wheel looked small and he looked to be working it a lot yeah so he, he came all the way through from starting 25th on the grid and eventually finished 4th mainly he probably would have finished 5th if it weren't for the technical issue that Camish then suffered um, which is the weirdest out of all of them I mean engine failure on a hot day fine I can understand how that all occurs but for a, a fuse, fuse power steering fuse came out yeah but then was fine again so it was a pop and back in and then he always like did a full reset on the electronics pushed it back in and managed to get going although he lost all the places and dropped to the back of the field yeah. he, he did get, keep going for the final two laps um I mean, I just his, his luck at Brands. But I just don't understand how that happens because Brands is not a particularly bumpy circuit. Okay, you're not driving on a motorway road, <laughs> but it's not. There's bumpier circuits on the calendar. We're going to a bumpier circuit next. You know, yeah. There are bumpier tracks on the calendar. Yeah. And it's very bizarre that this was sh- shaken out effectively. Yeah, it was. Um, the top 15 finished as follows. Uh, Turkington went on to win the race, as we said, uh, confident competent drive from him as well yeah though at the end Ingram had after the safety car was on his back I thought Tom was going to get the move done I have to say I, uh, after the safety car period there was a, a lap or lap and a half or so where Tom was stuck to the back of that BMW and I thought he was going to get the move done Yeah, but 
sensible drive by both consolidate the points. Yeah, as you said, Ingram in second. Sutton managed to get a podium, uh, finishing third. Quite but a very efficient drive by Sutton again. Yeah, um, more measured. Yes. Uh, which is what he needs to do for the rest of the season. Butcher, as we said, finished fifth, uh, fourth, sorry, followed by his teammate Jackson in fifth. Morgan, another quietly confident race, finishing sixth. Uh, Oliphant was fighting his way back through the field from, well, he had a few issues. He wasn't as quick in the second race. Didn't hold, I don't really know why, the weight wasn't particularly no. heavy, just had a bit of an off race. Yeah, uh, Proctor finished eighth, another consistent drive from him along with Jenny in ninth. Gornall, good top ten finish. Fantastic top ten finish. Uh, followed by Goff as well. Best that we've seen that Volkswagen perform so far this season. Moffitt in 12th, who would consequently go on to get the reverse grip pole. Smiley in 13th. First points of the season for Anthony in 14th. Good race. We haven't mentioned him yet, but he had a very solid race and was on decent pace. Yes, he was. Uh, and finally, finishing with Audley in 15th. Race 2. Well, for the second week in a row, Colin Turkson won race two and then had to pull out the balls for race number three. Starting to think it's a ball, uh, a bag, sorry, full of number 12 balls, as unbelievably so, number 12 came out again, Sam. How long do you think it will be before he catches on that Gal has just put a bag full of 12 balls in there? I mean, that would suggest that Turkson could win every race two, which would <laughs> be a conspiracy in a way. Um, but yeah, this meant that Aidan Moffat started on pole, who had... Up to this point, had a better weekend than Donington. Not stellar, yeah. but this is a good chance to capitalise on a pole position. Yeah, he was um, up there with Goff alongside him, um, who later claimed, came to blows, but also notable other rear-wheel drive drivers around there. Uh, Jelly was up there as well. Oliphant wasn't too far away, um, and they were the major starters. Yeah, Goff's interview prior to the race was a bit bizarre. It's got you worked, hasn't it? <laughs> I, just, I, mean, I, just, look, I get I'm a strange man we so, know so we I know. asked a couple of people what they thought of that having played it to them and the consensus was that it was just a really weird interview just maybe it was the heat that got to him well it was almost like a backhanded the car's crap I don't expect to do anything being here is rubbish what's the point we'll see what happens but it won't be very good it was effectively yeah, how I took it he, he was going to try and hold on to a top 10 wasn't he which I understand you'd be realistic of the car you'd be realistic but it just seemed a really down strange interview um, yeah and then that, it, it was compounded yeah by the issue coming out of Druids well he had a very slow start off the yeah. line I mean he always, always went backwards yeah. off the line which allowed you know the, the cars around him to go very quickly obviously as you said he was around where real drive cars which you expect to blast away and, and that yeah. happened and then got see you we, we, we <laughs> disagree here don't we so, who'd have thought yeah, <laughs> you you can explain what happened, and I can d explain why you're wrong. Okay, so, thank you. So on the exit of Druids, um, Proctor is put out wide, I believe, by a car just in front of Goff, having already slipped back at this point. Um, and coming back onto the circuit, he came into the side of Goff and Morgan, who were battling, coming out of Druids, going down towards Graham Hill. Uh, this put Proctor off to the left-hand side, going into Graham Hill. It put Moffitt off to the right-hand side going into Graham Hill and... Morgan. Morgan, even. And it consequently meant that Goff had a spin, 
which then resulted into him T-boning the back end of Tom Ingram. Yeah, uh, Ingram was, to quote Tim Harvey, just a passenger. Uh, um, he didn't say that this weekend, mate. I know, he didn't, but I'm going to say it for him. Uh, and yeah, completely innocent party and all of that. And his weekend came to an abrupt halt. Tom Ingram had to retire the car following that incident. Yeah. I think, having watched it again, I think that, yeah, I don't think Goff is as to blame as I thought he was the first time round. Mm. I think the interview I previously mentioned coloured my view slightly uh, going into that. Um, I do think that he was perhaps getting a little bit too fighty with Morgan, but I don't think that actually caused the incident. So no, no, I I think it was just three cars converging at the same at the same point, and Goff being the one in the middle has probably come out worst. Yeah, um, which is normally the case if you don't back out of it. But I don't think he had a chance to back out of it either. No, and this incident also kind of upset Bordley, who was uh, running pretty well at that point, but had to yeah. take evasive action to avoid uh, his hard teammate, and that dropped him far down the order, which is a shame, because actually he was on for a good finish up to that point, albeit in the only lap of the race. Yeah. Uh, Moffitt went on to full wide at Sheen, the corner that had the most action this weekend. It um, was poor error, in my opinion. Yeah, it's we've seen that Infinity struggling at that corner, even with Sutton. And he's been dropping a wheel wide, and Moffat did it as well, um, which allowed Jelly to close. Um, That's the thing, isn't it? Moffat was under no press, real pressure at the time. It's not like Jelly was on his tail no. forcing a move. If that happens, as you're under pressure, you're being, your hand's being forced, you yeah. know, a fair play. But. Um, but it was Oliphant that managed to get the run on both of them, um, coming down to clear ways, and was able to go on the outside of Jelly across uh, the start-finish line, Yeah, the which was a decent move. Yeah, the move was practically done into Paddock Hill Bend as well, which is always good, so he wasn't on the outside of that. But yeah, it was a good move, uh, BMW power, to get past the two on the sort of the slightly banked outer part of the circuit as well, yeah. so yeah, a, a very good move actually. Um, meanwhile, Sutton had uh, propelled himself forward, as we expect, um, and managed to get up to second. Yes. Um, which, I, I don't know, we kind of come to expect it from Sutton now to push his way through the grid, um, obviously starting slightly lower due to the reverse grid. Um, but yeah, he, he, he made good progress on the first lap, helped by that incident at Graham Hill. Yeah, and Butcher followed him through and got himself up to third uh, by lap three. And both those cars were carrying incredibly good pace early on and were sticking to the back of Tom Oliphant's BMW. Yeah, they were. Uh, we saw Turkin get away in race two. That wasn't happening here at all. Uh, both were jammed on the back of that BMW. Uh, Gornell was a bit of a loser from the start. He fell down the order. But actually, when he was racing within the little that pack, he was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, he was. Um, he, he'd done well to come out sort of like fourth best um, at the start of the race. Um, but as you say, started to fall away from them. I think possibly because the rear wheel drive, they seem to be better on their tyres this yeah. weekend yeah. Um, than the front wheel drive cars. And I think generally the cars in front of him were, are faster cars as well, let's, you know, let's yeah. not be about the bush, they are quicker cars. Um, Camish had a good start, carved his way into top 15 by lap 4. Mega start. Mega start, but then I got, um, again we differ slightly here, I think he was then poor. Struggled to make progress, um, so he managed to get up behind Turkington who had had a bang average start really um, considering rear wheel drive carrying the most amount of ballast uh, from 12th on the grid he had, he'd only made a couple of positions up with the the incident that had gone on early 
Um, and once Kamish got up behind him, he, he struggled to make that progress. And personally, I think that's because Turkington is such a good driver and a defensive driver. I agree with you on that. But equally, you're driving a car that's got 60 kilograms on board. You're in a free... You're, you've got no weight on your car at all. A track that generally suits your car. Yeah. I was surprised. I mean, he wasn't even battling Turkington as such he couldn't seem to stick with Colin I mean mm. if he was trying to get past him Colin's defending well and he's you know making that impossible fair enough but he wasn't even battling at that point he just couldn't seem to keep pace with the BMW which would be concerning although whether a problem had already began at that point I don't know yes um, meanwhile uh, Butcher and Sutton were still nailed to the back of Oliphant's car um, brilliant defensive driving from Oliphant um, didn't seem to misplace the car at all in that final race no. um, which is some we've seen mistakes like that happen from him before in previous races and yeah it's a good defensive drive from him particularly under the concerted pressure that uh, yeah. Ash was putting on him a couple of taps a couple of bumps just to let him know that he was there and watching his every move I was slightly surprised how long Ash sat behind him in the sense of not pulling out to cool the car down um, yeah maybe the Infinity just handles the heat incredibly well as well but yeah. it seemed very very comfortable um, and uh, Andy Neat was doing quite well as well at this point he's in the top 10 he was running very well, very well. Um, all three motor based cars were in the top 9 at one point yep. in this race and he was keeping Colin Honest behind him um, yeah and he was keeping good pace as yeah, well similar pace to the others in his team yeah he was and by the end of the weekend he seemed like he, he had the car dialed in to where he needed it albeit he went on to make a mistake later on in the race which put him off was it a mistake or was it a tyre problem it's not been it's not particularly clear I, from how it looked it looked like a mistake although he did come into the pits yeah I wonder if it was a tyre problem it, but there could have been grass in the splitter where he'd gone off yeah so. that's true well a few laps later it turned into a race to forget for Kamish uh, we did not see a double DNF coming although he did finish the second race a little bit outside the points uh, an overheating problem it seems to be the issue in race number three yes it got rather hot didn't it there was a lot of steam should we say <laughs> steam possibly smoke um, extinguishers had to be used out on the back straight where he was came out onto the Grand Prix circuit slowed and we thought oh no not again um, and pulled off to the side with what looks like a possible engine failure yeah which is so bizarre for Alfred's Honda in particular yeah. they, they never have mechanical problems yeah. those Honda well most of the teams are running a combination of either Neil Brown built engines or the Swindon stock engines and the Hondas seem to suffer so much more this weekend they really and did. the only thing I can attribute it to engine wise is overheating I did think about this and actually I, I was a bit eagle eyed on my second watch through today They've got a very small air intake in comparison. You've got the Corolla, which has got a really big air intake on yep. the front. The BMW's got a big air intake on the front. The Honda's got a relatively small sort of strip. Okay, it goes round the car, but it's a quite a yeah. small strip for air intake. And I, the BMW's got the grille, and it's got two bits in the lower bumper. The Corolla's got like a massive Joker-esque yeah. smile through it, and that didn't seem to be a problem. The, the Ford has a pretty big air intake as well, so I wonder if it's the fact that the Hondas have a fairly small air intake in comparison mm. to some of the other cars on the grid yeah we've, we've seen it in other sports obviously Mercedes struggled so much because they tried to compact the packaging as much as possible to become as aerodynamic as possible obviously that leads to great success in temperatures that you can manage but with temperatures that we've seen this weekend they were probably outside the limits that they were expecting 
to be having for this season. Yeah, I know that Honda have also got the little sort of grills into the bonnet, but yeah, um, I do. I mean, I may be barking at the wrong tree completely, but I do wonder if you look at the cars that finished, I finished well. The Infinity is another one that has a big mouth and a few extra bits to go in. So maybe, yeah. maybe I'm barking at the wrong tree completely, but that'd be a, a, a logical reason as to why the Hondas seem to struggle. Although Neil in this race did pretty well from the back near the back of the grid. Did very well. Uh, came from 24th on the grid to finish sixth, um, which is probably one of his better drives this season. Um, and. A, a recovery drive definitely but also deeply frustrating because it shows that the pace of the yeah. Honda was there which yeah. we all kind of knew anyway actually because Cook was putting in fastest laps albeit he couldn't seem to finish the race mm. uh, and Chilton was generally racing when his car wasn't broken and Crease also was uh, pretty racing this weekend as well so the Hondas were quick yep. the engines were not good um, more Honda issues although this one of a different nature uh, Hill ended up with a puncture um, if he didn't have bad luck this season, he'd have no luck at all. Um, quite funny, earlier today you found a tweet from him asking the BTCC if anyone would like to lend him a decent engine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from Hill's point of view, he's not done anything wrong as such. Yeah, he's In that snapshot of race one, he's shown that he can race. You know, keeping Ingram behind is no small feat. No. Nope. But he's just not got a reliable car underneath it. No. It, it, you know, it's it's astonishing how poor, and but for no reason at all. There's Swindon engines. Yeah. There's no logic to why it's no. not working. I can't imagine he's driving it. I mean, look at who drove those cars last year. It's Butcher and it's Tordoff. Yeah. I can't imagine that Hill's driving style is so heavy-footed in comparison to one of those two that is putting so much pressure on the engine. I I can't see that. That it's a driver problem. No. So no, because Osborne has had similar issues. Yeah. I, it's utterly bizarre. Uh, Bordling's problems continued uh, towards the back of the grid and was given a disciplinary action with a drive-through penalty for exceeding track limits. Drive-through seems a little bit harsher, doesn't it? But, I mean, you must really have to be exceeding track limits to get a drive-through. A, a little bit harsh, yes, but with the drive-through, oh, with the track limit penalties, you get given a black and white warning flag first, and then if you continue to do it, you then get the penalty. So he'd already had three chances. Then you get a black and white flag for a warning, and then he's continued to do it. And I think that's the reason why the penalty's been so harsh, is because he's been told about it. I still think a drive-through penalty is too hard. A five-second penalty, I think, or a ten-second penalty is probably more fair than having a... The drive-through, that's 30, 40, 50 seconds. Yeah. That's, that's, that seems a bit harsh for what you're actually gaining, in my, in my view. Yeah. Um, out front, Onofan was managing the pace pretty well, actually. Yeah, he was. Keeping certain honest, Butcher wasn't really attacking, and then Butcher couldn't attack... Any longer at all. <laughs> Rather unbelievable. Carbon copy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ridiculous carbon copy coming into Paddock Hill, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and another front left puncture. What two, three laps from the end? Running in third. Running in third. Um, and we're just amazed to see it. And then, like deja vu, the next lap, the same fate befalls Jackson. Yeah. The same corner as well which if that also was the same for neat which I'm, we're not convinced we're not sure either no. way that that is a big problem for motorbikes that yeah okay it's hot but they must be running some odd setup yeah i would assume it is camber related um because you're gonna it, it falls into line with having a very twitchy car the more camber you, that you run you run on the finer edge of the tire making it more adaptable and uh, sharper 
but then you're running on that inside of the tyre, which you're going to wear it out quicker. The only thing I'd say, I think you're right, but the thing I'd say against that is that surely Butcher in particular is putting more pressure on the tyres in race two, the amount of overtaking and what have you, than it was in race three. And race two, he had no problems whatsoever. It's, But then you can make little tweaks yeah. here and there, you know. <laughs> it all depends on what what extremes of the track you go to as well, and and whether you catch catch a curb wrong is it the weight does the weight play that big a difference in the Ford possibly it's yeah Motorbase have got to do a little bit of scratching their heads to work out what happened there because it's not like Thruxton a couple of years ago where everybody got a puncture <laughs> I mean yeah. that was, you know this is that could be Hill got on as well but generally speaking it yeah really we've, we've we've had specific regulation changes for Thruxton bringing yeah. a harder compound and that's because of the pressures being the fastest circuit in England um, but yeah that, that was a strange happening for the Motorbase team yeah, and in a, in a sort of end of the ridiculously action-packed <laughs> race three, Chris Smiley hit the wall hard in the closing stages, seemingly dropping it on his own. Oh dear, he he was running so well as well. I think yeah. he was running fourth at the time, um, and it would have been an excellent result for him from what had been a pretty lacklustre weekend, finishing fifteenth and thirteenth in the first two races. Uh, it'd have been a nice way to finish the weekend for him. Absolutely. Without front, it was Champagne for Oliphant who took his first BTCC win, uh, keeping back uh, Ash Sutton fantastically well. And third went to Stephen Jelly who profited from Butcher's misfortunes. Yep. Uh, and a very good, sensible drive from the BMW man. Uh, shout outs should also go to Ollie Brown, Jack Butel, and Nick Hamilton, uh, who all scored their first BTCC points. So well done to those guys. And Gornell, who held on to seventh, that's a very, very good performance. Yeah, it is. Because the people he kept behind him as well. That's yeah. a very, very solid performance. And I'm really excited to have him in the championship. I think he's a proper racer. I think you can see that, oh, as I said in the commentary, he's not a GT champ for nothing. You know, he knows no. how to race. And He's got pedigree behind him, and he's showing why he's the mini champion from last season. Yeah. And he's, he's racy, isn't he? Yeah, he's very good. Uh, well, to round off the top 15 then, Oliphant from Sutton from Jelly for your podium places. Moffat consolidated a fairly poor start uh, to take fourth. Yep. Keeping back Turkerton, that's a mam- mammoth drive from Colin with full weight on the car. I'll just point out five rear-wheel drive cars in the top five. You can. Neil recovered to sixth from Gornal, from Chilton, from Proctor, from Osborne, who recovered well to make the top ten. Yep. Creese and Thompson uh, continue their good weekend. <laughs> Glued together all weekend, all weekend those two, weren't they? <laughs> And then Brown uh, finished ahead of both Butel and Hamilton. That's quite impressive considering that this is Brown's sixth competitive BTCC race. And that's yeah. a strong 13th position. Yep. Uh, and Butel, yep, that's very good for him as well. And I say Nick Hamilton taking his first BTC points too. I think he'll be relieved. Now he's got his first points on the board, he knows what, sort of like what it feels like. Um, and I don't know what it probably takes yeah, as well. Yeah, I agree. So having covered all three races and qualifying now, um, we think it's probably a good idea to give you some driver grades from the weekend um, based on how their performances balance up against how we expected and also teammates. Yep, so we'll start with uh, Colin Turkington. Uh, Reminder, we're going from grades A star down to U. Uh, and Colin Turkington takes an A this weekend. I almost gave him an A star on the basis that I don't know what more he could have done but as you said when you look at qualifying uh, as well consideration, yeah. and you probably need to be winning two of the races and getting a top five qualifying yeah. position although 
Top five qualifying position, race two winner, race one podium sitter, and fifth in the final race. Pretty yeah. good weekend. It's a, it's a very good weekend from him, and something that we've come to expect. Yeah. To use a cliche, it really was a championship winning weekend, wasn't it? Yes. Wise, yeah. You know, did everything you needed to do. Oliphant, um, I wanted to give B, but I was convinced <laughs> to make it an A on the count for his win and how well he drove in that last race. Yeah, the fact that he's taken his first win in the touring cars and an eighth and a seventh for the other two races, it was a solid performance and just topped off nicely with that race win I still think it's too easy to pass and I still think he had a bit of a nothing he raced too yeah. so I think we've perhaps been a little bit kind with race win selling the thoughts but <laughs> equally keeping back Ash Sutton is not an easy task and no. he did it very very well so fair enough uh, Camish uh, we've gone for a B mm. now he had car troubles um, race 2, race 3 but taking that race win in race one and how close he is to qualifying on pole um, has pushed his grade up for me um, and it was a case of what could have been this weekend for him I wanted to go for a C you again talked me up on the basis that race one very good can't fault how he drove race one race two he gets a poor start that's yeah that's bad for a top driver okay he can't have the problem later on that's right no. that's fair enough and then race three, the initial progress is good, but he passes people you'd expect him to pass. When it comes up with somebody who is harder to pass, you need to put out all the stops on. He didn't seem to be anywhere close, and that's why I'm a little bit hesitant with the B. because. But as you said, we're not sure whether he had any issues coming up to that point. Yeah, it's probably why... You've conceded. Conceded, <laughs> yeah. I think he needs a big improvement next weekend, and I think if he does find himself at the back of the grid... He needs to be able to do what Neil did in race three and get yeah. past the people you you not just expected to get past, but yeah. you know drive proper difficult people to get past as well. Talking about Neil, um, we've given another C for him this yeah. weekend. Um, it's it's a little bit of a downer from last weekend. He had decent results last weekend. However, car troubles again affecting the Honda this weekend and that incident in race one and poor qualifying. Yeah. Outside the top ten, um, gets involved in a, a silly incident race one and uh, race three aside, it was a pretty poor weekend. Yes. Uh, Ash Sutton. Ash Sutton. Um, we've gone for a B this weekend. We have. Um, yeah. Not quite as good as his run out last weekend at Donington, um, but a more composed drive from him this week. Um, just lacking that race win, probably. Yeah, a disappointing qualifying result, but he didn't have to well to con uh, you know, consolidate that in the three races. Uh, race really well. Difficult to fault him really for anything in the race conditions. Yep. Um, perhaps could have pushed a bit harder for the win, but I mean, consolidating. If you, if you push much harder, you're going to push on off and off and risk a penalty. So, yep. you know, yeah, fair enough. Uh, teammate Moffat. Uh, a C this weekend. Um, an improvement on last time out at Donington, where we thought he was pretty dire. Um, and finishing fourth in that final race of the weekend, he did well to keep it up there, knowing that he's been struggling with the pace of that car. Yeah, I say the, the Neil incident, I don't think he's to blame on that incident particularly. Uh, a little bit disappointed perhaps in race three that you've got an unbalanced car, real drive off the line, didn't hold on. And effectively, is it fair to say he lost the race because of an error? Yeah. I, I still don't think he's at full pace in that car at the moment. No, and a fourth overall in that race was pretty good. So, yeah, yep, C, fair enough. Rory Butcher, you talked me down from an A. 
Yeah, so I've gone for a B. Uh, it's a case of, again, what could have been for him this weekend. The car was electrifying when it had no weight on. We saw that. But puncture issues are top of the table for them in what to sort out between now and next weekend. I still think it should be an A. When you look at the qualifying result, the fact he was going to win race one had a lot of the puncture, which is not his doing. Yeah. Race two, that is an epic comeback drive. Yeah. Race three, nailed on for a podium. Yeah. So it would have been a first. But is it his car set up that's caused the puncture? I don't think so. That, that would be my question. I don't think so. You see Ollie Jackson have the same. And Ollie Jackson's already said in interviews that their cars are set up completely differently because their driving styles are so different. Yeah. So, no, I don't think it is the driving style of Rory Butcher that's caused those punctures. No. Okay. Particularly after Rory's good enough to know that if he has caused a puncture in race one, he'd have changed something for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I, I think the, the punctures that they both suffered in race three were an anomaly, as it were. Um, but that puncture in race one may have been because of his lock-up under the safety car yeah, as well. Yeah, possibly. Possibly on that one. I still think A would have been a, a fairer result, given how well he raced on the actual track. Yeah, when he takes a win. He was going to. Yeah, he was going to, but he didn't. No. <laughs> uh, teammate uh, Jackson, a real surprise this weekend. Going from strength to strength, I've given him an A. Yeah, uh, an A all day long. Um, to see the improvement that he's made just from Donington to Brands um, is excellent. And to put in such quality driving as well. Not attacking driving, but defensive driving, which is possibly more difficult. Certainly against the people he was up against. Yeah. yeah as I've said before and I'll say again the greatest overtaker in the series at the moment and you kept him behind you know a very good weekend and actually we, we've now seen the best of Ollie Jackson yeah um, he's been in the series you said on and off seven years which is mm. you know, it's I mad I didn't it was that long yeah. he's been in the series and we're now starting to see the best of him he really turned a corner second half of last season yeah. and I don't think it'll be too long until he gets a win I no think he'll get certainly, this year. certainly looking at the pace of that motorbike car this yeah, year absolutely agree uh, Andy Neat um, a C yeah so I gave him a C last weekend because I think expectations were low yeah um, but moving into this weekend we know now what the car can do from the teammates but he was able to make the similar sort of step from last weekend that his teammates have done this weekend which is why we've kept him at a C um, a solid performance for him pace was good was on for a top 10 finish yep. um He's not too far behind the other two either. He's no. not being disgraced by them. And I think he's proving a lot of doubters wrong at yeah. this stage of time. Yeah. I think he will get some good points this year. Yeah. I wouldn't him out of the Jack Sears either. I don't think he'll have quite enough consistency for Jack Sears. I didn't say he was going to win it, so don't rule him out. <laughs> uh, moving on uh, to BCC. Uh, yeah, Chilton have given a C to based on a, a good qualifying. A yeah. good race one, looked racy, and then to be fair to him, his weekend was curtailed by car problems, not not foolishness on his part, which no. you can attribute to yeah. his teammates. He, he looked like he had more race pace than he did out at Donington last time out, um, and it was solid performance from him in the end, minus car troubles. Yep. Uh, teammate of Cook, I've given a D to, yep. because unlike Tom, uh, whilst he had had his own car trouble, he also caused a lot of self-inflicted wounds <laughs> yeah. with some optimistic moves yeah you want to see them you want to see them and yeah. they come off the spectacular and you applaud it and you go wow that was really brave to hang it around the outside fantastic yeah. you need to know when to back out and who you're against yeah you're not going to go around the outside of Tom Ingram very easily no. uh, without much of a fight 
uh, and he is going to push you wide yep. fairly legally and you can't really have any complaints after that nope. uh, Michael Kreese gave a C to I think he'll re- regret race two because this could yes, have been, this could have been a, a triple scoring yeah. uh, weekend for him yeah quite easily um, if he hadn't had that issue then it's a definite improvement on his first race weekend in brand new car for him obviously um, and I think he could go on to consistently score points throughout the rest of the season and he'll be kicking himself because had he got past Thompson in a more clean fashion he'd have been in, in a good shout of the grid reversal yeah he would he'd have been there or thereabouts <laughs> yes yeah. um, and had he then got into race three with that car okay he'd have to have carried on reliability wise as we saw the rest of the Hondas we'd have had a really good chance of a, a podium yep um, so yeah Needs to improve on racecraft. Now he's in a car that's capable of racing. Uh, moving on to his former team. team. We'll do Team Hard next. Uh, we'll start off with Goff. Goff. Right, we, we had a little discussion about this, didn't I we? I still think you're being far too kind. So I've given him a C for this weekend. Mm. Mainly on the fact that he has scored points. And I don't think the race three accident that he had was wholly his issue. Um, I know you you weren't particularly keen on his interview and the the racing that occurred after that possibly didn't back it up too well. No, I must admit, on first watch, I felt that it was almost, following the interview and following the incident, I, I initially blamed, or put more blame at his door for almost a don't care what's going to happen, the car's not good enough, mm. I will just do what I need to do and that includes punting people are fine. I don't think it's the correct way of looking at it now, having gone back and watched it, and you know that that was an incorrect view from me. But I do think if you're starting on the second row of the grid, you need to be getting a top ten finish, yeah. whether or not the car's up to it. Gornell is an example of someone who did that very well. Yeah. And yes, okay, the incident isn't wholly his fault, <laughs> or potentially any of his fault, but. When it says a DNF, it won't say what happened. No. It won't say DNF due to props are getting into him. Sight. It'll just be a DNF. It'll be where did he start? Second. Where did he finish? DNF. Yeah, but he's done. He scored points which he didn't do last weekend, which is why I can't mark him down further than last weekend, which is what we gave him for a C. It's so. logic. Yeah, it's logic. <laughs> uh, teammate of uh, Brown. Yeah, uh, a C this weekend. First points on the board for him, um, as you say, only six races into his racing career, effectively, um, and a solid improvement. Yeah, it wasn't too far off the pace either this weekend, no. getting quicker in the car. Um, I initially went for a B, but I think actually that was a bit too yeah. kind on, on reflection. Uh, Hamilton scored his first points this weekend, I went for a C. Yeah, C here as well, um, a solid improvement from last weekend finished all races yeah um, and score points and set out of trouble yeah which is key absolutely and Brown actually set out of trouble more or less as well this weekend which yeah. is you know, key for them both uh, then on the other side of the garage we have Carl Bordley and to me this is a weekend of what could have been a little bit yeah a little bit um, gave him a C for this um, decent point scoring finishes he'll be looking to improve on that knowing what the car can do and seeing it's relatively the same car as what Jelly's running. I was about to say the exact same thing. It'd be slightly disappointed when he sees Jelly's two ninths and a third. Yeah. 
as that is a car that is effectively the same he, uh, he, as he's running. Although Jelly has got a lot more experience in the sport. Yep, hundred percent. So, yep, that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Ingram. Ingram, uh, a B. Yeah. Again, another weekend where it could have been more, but it's solid and towards the championship, it looks it looks good. Is it just my fancy? Or is he getting a little bit more aggressive this season in the car? Punchy. It's a little bit more banging yeah. door handles. Yeah, Not he's willing to be punchy and willing to be um, obstructive when he needs to be. Yeah, not to the degree where it's becoming unfair. Yeah. But there's a couple of times I thought, oh, Ingram of old wasn't quite this. He's, he's not quite turned into a push-to-pass Matt Neal yet. No. Um, but he's certainly bolshy when he needs to be. Yeah, which I think will win you a title. Yeah. Um, and actually... As I said earlier, I think he's one of the few drivers that's got understands the exact limit of his car yep. and is able to push on the max at all times. And that dummy he almost pulled off on Jake Hill was <laughs> utterly sublime. Yeah, would have been one of the best moves in BTC if he pulled it off. Uh, moving on then to Car Loop, etc., etc. Uh, Morgan, uh, another solid weekend from Morgan. Um, we can't quite work out why that car is so quick undering this season, but a B from me. Yeah, it got caught up in the instance in race three. For me, not his doing. Um, he's unlucky. He's unlucky. But yeah, I don't know where he's found the pace in that Mercedes, but he's found the pace. Uh, a lot of work's gone into it, apparently, in the off-season to make it uh, more competitive. Yep. And they seem to have made it so, so fair play. Uh, teammate of Butel scored his first points of the year. Yeah, C for me. Yeah. Um, a, a solid solid point score for him um, and something that will give him confidence absolutely uh, MB Motorsport time Jake Hill <sighs> it's difficult with Hill because as I said earlier if he didn't have bad luck he'd have no luck at all um, and from the pace that he showed in practice being so quick and to get so high up on the grid for race one a lot more was expected from him and for this We've given him a D, haven't we? Yeah, so the the car problems aside, yeah, which you can't fault the driver for, as we discussed in the pod, I think if you're lining up fourth on the grid, we're having dominated both the practice sessions and got no weight in the car. If you're not winning, I'm expecting you to be challenging for the win. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to win, because I accept there's three very good drivers in front of you. That's fine. But the way he fell back mm. was... It's just surprising. I, I, yeah, I'm struggling for words to describe it because we're expecting such good things from him. Yeah. The ballast free car, a car we know goes well around there, and in the end, he did very well to hold back Ingram for as long as he did. But if that's the highlight of your race, then you should perhaps be pushing for a podium. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah, improvement needs to be had. Absolutely. Uh, Osborne, I've given a C to again. Yeah, same. Learn the car consistently okay. Racing fairly well, a few mistakes in there. Yep. Cars cutting out on him all the time. <laughs> C's probably about fair. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Jelly. Jelly, what a weekend. Yeah. Fantastic weekend for him. Um, an A. I'm sensing that we might have a Hillesque turn in you, like we had with me and Hill last year. <laughs> but you may come round to the Jelly way of thinking. Well, to be fair, apart from race three at Donington, he's kept himself out of trouble so far this yeah. season, and it proves that the car has got decent pace in it still, and that he seems to have a decent consistency about him. Yep, 12th in qualifying, yep. two ninths and a uh, podium. Yep. 
pretty good weekend. Yeah, he likes Brands Hatch as well. He does, yep. And I don't think that car's a million miles off taking a win in the right conditions either. No. Um, so yeah, I think an A is correct <coughs> for him. I'd agree with that. Uh, the Hyundai's, the penultimate team to go through. Chris Smiley. Smiley, difficult weekend for him. Uh, struggled with weight on board in qualifying. Um, had pretty two average results and then had the mistake in race three. Uh, for me, that's put a downer on his weekend. Um, and I've gone for a D. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, the Hones are obviously running weight is disappointing yeah. for them. But in race two, he wasn't running weight and didn't really make any progress. No. Compounded with the fact that Proctor had a very good weekend. We'll get very to it in a solid. moment. Solid weekend. And then in race three, oh, you can't be dropping the wheel at that so close to the end. You can't. No. You've got to be getting the fourth or pushing for the podium. Yeah. Uh, Proctor, teammate, he had a poor start at Donington, but pulled it back round this weekend. Good yeah, qualifying. Much better this weekend. Very consistent for him as well. Um, and sort of like something that we used to see from him when he was in the Astra. Yep. Uh, a B for me. Yeah, I agree with you, B. Good qualifying. Three points finishes. Perhaps needs to just finesse his driving slightly. Yeah. There's a couple of erratic parts to it, I thought. But yeah, on the whole, very good. Uh, and finally, then, uh, GKR. Thompson. Thompson had that incident with Kreez in race two. Uh, had a fairly solid weekend apart from that. Made good progress through the field um, when he needed to. A C for me. Yeah, I thought I'd give him a D after the uh, out of the grid box shenanigans because that is yeah. at this level quite poor. I, I think you roll that into the incident that happened in race two though. Yeah. A solid weekend. It won't help him though that his teammate really did outshine him this weekend in pretty he much did. every aspect. Uh, yeah, given Gornell B this weekend, uh, made great progress from race one to get past Bobby, finish ahead of him after qualifying behind him. Um, I think if he scrubs up on his qualifying performances for the rest of the season, then uh, he could be an interesting teammate. Yeah, I'm not going to rule out because you know how crazy race three can be. Yeah. If he's going to get himself in the the areas for reversal, I'm not going to rule out him getting a podium. I don't yeah. think he'll get a win. Yeah. But I'm not. I won't rule out car getting a podium. No. 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 I think he's more likely to get a podium than Thompson at this point as well. If I was yeah. to put money on one of them, I would probably be going Gordon. Just because I've seen his race craft seems a bit more refined. Yes, it does. Okay. Well, moving on then to the final awards, uh, the driver of the day for you, Sam. Oh, my driver and my surprise of the day, you could give give it either way, really. Um, I'm going to go for driver of the day being Jelly. Um, just because of the consistency that he's shown and managed to get on the podium in the final race. Um, what about you? Turkington, all day long. I mean, yeah. you know, qualifies in top five with full weight on board, takes a second, takes a win. Okay, there's a bit of luck along the way to how he gets those positions, but he still capitalises. Yep. Then race three, slowly works his way through the field. We see him do this all the time. You, mm. you, you look at the first few laps, go, oh, Turkin's struggling. He's down, down in 13th, full weight on board. Yep. End of the race, blimey heck, Turkin's in the top six. How's he done that? Yeah. He's, he does it. He's he does very it quietly, good. doesn't he? Does it, and he's sensible, he's measured. I said before, it's a bit boring. <laughs> I still stand by that, but it, it wins you the points. And at the end of the day... If you offered him a second, a first, and a fifth, he'd have bitten your hand off coming into this weekend and a, a very solid drive. Couldn't do anything else. Yeah, it was. Uh, my surprise then, uh, could quite easily have been driver, uh, was Jackson. Yeah. Uh, just to see how 
how much he's developed in that car in such a short space of time and to hold off drivers that he was holding off is a very impressive drive from yeah uh, he's up there I would probably have him or Jelly for the reasons you gave in your driver of the day yeah uh, my surprise of the day in a bad sense was Hill I just I'm, I know he, I banged on about it but race one that's that's concerning from, yeah. from their point of view yeah my villain um, as you would put it is Cook this weekend uh, got caught up in instances yeah you can't account for car being poor but when he made progress back through the grid he then had another issue and uh, he just wasn't wasn't at the races this weekend no if it wasn't car problems it was errors yeah. but he's not my villain of the day no? I've had to go for Chris Smiley okay. perhaps because Cook didn't have a very good weekend last time at least he's consistent in that sense of the word Smiley had a really good start at Donington yep. and didn't build on that this weekend at all I accept the first race you learn the weight on the car I accept that and to get points first race fine yep. I would have thought a, a, a balance free car for race 2 you'd have more progress than he did mm. I mean he's effectively overtaken Camish who fell off and, you know, yep. and then won over car yeah that's not great and then in race 4 sorry race 3 sorry you're running 4th running 4th from 13th he made good progress yeah. through the field at absolutely that he had and then he dropped a a corner and a wheel on the corner and he took himself out yeah. that's with only a few laps to go I know the tyres are going off etc yep. but you've got to concentration at the end of the day really hot day yeah which I suppose you might get... sound like I'm making excuses for him but <laughs> I think you just at that point you've just got to bring the car home yeah and to not do so from such a position you know okay then. Well, we'll run you through the championship order now after two race weekends, yep. uh, six races, and uh, they are as follows. Colin Turkington, as you would probably expect, is way out in front by 16 points. Ominous lead, isn't it? It is already, isn't it? Uh, followed by Ash Sutton, who, what could have been, he could have been right up there without that issue that he had at Donington. Yep. Uh, Tom Oliphant in third, just nine points behind him. Ingram, again, solid points finishes across the board, 67 points in fourth, followed by Dan Hamish. Uh, Rory Butcher in sixth, uh, again, what could have been, he could have been well up there into the 70s rather than the 52 that he's sitting on. I still think he'll finish ahead of Oliphant coming into the year. Uh, yes, yeah, looking at the pace in that car. Um, seventh, sitting pretty, Stephen Jelly. Ollie Jackson up there alongside Jelly on 43 points in 8th. Uh, Morgan in the top 10 ahead of Matt Neal, which kind of sums up Matt Neal's season so far. Yeah. Um, Smiley in 11th, um, followed by Chilton and Cook, who have been poor poor weekends between them over the, over the two race weekends. But done pretty well to stay in the top 15, considering. But yeah, my tip for the title. Yeah, down uh, in 12th. To nice. make things really interesting... Turkin's going to win every race now to the end of the season and going to win by <laughs> lots and lots of points to have no problems at all uh, Proxon's there in 14th uh, followed by Aidan Moffat in 15th and one thing to point out is that all drivers have already scored points this season um, which is something that we didn't see last season no, no, no. Um, so yeah, loving how the season is developing so far and um, yeah, you've written up a end of weekend report Yep, my five talking points. Yep, yep, my five talking points from the weekend. That's on over on the website btcpodcast.co.uk. Go check that out. 
uh, yeah, we'll keep you updated with any news because we're we're taking a weekend off finally. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll back to be, be back to racing uh, on the twenty second and twenty third of August at Croft. Sorry, not Croft, Alton Park. Alton Park, and there'll be a full preview for that uh, shortly. Yeah. The Friday before we go to Walton Park, we'll have a preview out for that, um, and we'll see how everything mixes up for that weekend. Absolutely. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, all the details are on the website or our socials, uh, and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Yep. Goodbye. Remember to subscribe, follow, and also share our podcast for more touring car updates. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by just searching for BTCP, British Touring Car Podcast. And you can also contact us there or on our email at btccpod at gmail.com. 